0: Stop it. Stop it. Give me the body, Mark. Oh, sorry. You are right That's it. Alright, time out. That's it. Time out. Guys, let's all calm down, yeah? We're all worked up. Let's all just chill the F out and talk for a second. Oh! Take the body! Take the body! Take the body, Mark! This week on the podcast, we discuss Moon Knight. One podcast to rule them all. One podcast to find them. One podcast to bring them all, and in the darkness, find them. The game is on, Watson. I've got a bad feeling about this. What if I'm not the hero? Or what if I'm the podcast guy? I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that that's need to be afraid, unless you made a scissors. (laughs) Just a little rock, paper, scissors joke for you. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. I am genre podcast. It's all genre to me. We're gonna need a bigger podcast. We could have been killed, or worse, podcasted. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Ah, Named the Monkey Podcast. Hello. Happy Moon Night Day, everybody. And a happy Moon Night to you as well. We're recording. It's uh, a little behind the curtains. Um, it's 9 30 on Wednesday night. We have just watched Moon Night. I've watched it for the first time. I watched it for the second time. I did watch it during lunch at work today. We did. <laughs> and you know what? We decided we're not fucking around here. Are we just getting into it? We're going straight to Spoiler Country.
1: Spoiler Country! Buckle
0: up! (laughs) Hello everyone, this is your captain speaking. We will be beginning our descent into Spoiler Country. The local time is Spoiler O'Clock. Please use caution as you listen on, because as I said, it's all spoilers from here. (laughs) Okay. You want to read your summary? Yes, and then I'm very excited to hear what your
1: thoughts are on this episode, because I know... That that's that that's, that's that. we differed a little although I did receive feedback uh from our friend Alex that uh I did sound like I didn't like the episode as much as I said I did last week but I did I think that critiquing the writing and not enjoying the episode are two very different things but anyway let's get into the let's get into the recap yeah so This is going to be, I think, a quicker one than previous weeks because most of this episode took place in just uh, two settings. We do get a little cold open. We see Khonshu's Ushabti statue stored away. Mm. Uh, But then we return right where we left off. Um, We've got Layla and Steven in the desert. Uh, Moon Knight's power has left Steven and he's unconscious. Um, So Layla saves him from some dudes who are shooting at them. And then they travel together to the location of Amit's tomb that they have figured out from uh, the events of last week, turning back the sky and all that. Um, There, they get chased by some zombie priests, Mm -hmm. and they get separated But eventually find Amit's Ushabti hidden in the lost tomb of, drumroll please, (laughs) Alexander the Great. That person we knew we were looking for. Who? (laughs) Um, Harrow finds them there and he shoots Mark. Bang. Um... And then we find ourselves in a mental institution, Mm -hmm. and this was probably my favorite part of this episode. For sure. Um, And it is kind of implied that Mark has maybe been crazy this entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, Harrow is his doctor. The two cops who showed up at his apartment in London um, are the orderlies. Layla is a fellow patient, and Stephen Grant is a character in Mark Spector's favorite movie. Uh, but eventually, it comes back to Mark that Harrow shot him. He finds Stephen locked in a sarcophagus, and Ooh. the two of, we get two Oscar Isaacs. And then the two of them run down a hallway and to a giant shadow in the door, and it Whoa. turns out to be a, a hippo. hippo. <laughs> Who?
0: Who? We actually we set we did the dominoes out. up before you <laughs> knock them down. Yes. Never forget.
1: <laughs> Oh, gosh, but I enjoyed this
0: immensely. I also enjoyed the second half immensely. I thought you might. <laughs> the first half has our classic pacing and no story arc problem, yeah. which is that, like, I truly think some editing and post could have completely changed my opinion on this episode because, another once again, I'm like... If we had picked up Layla's storyline or Mark's storyline, which, like, I don't know. It's kind of interesting because, you know, Dan Harmon has a lot of flaws and, you know, whatever. But he was really adamant that, like, to make community work, every single episode was based on the hero's journey. Mm. And so, like, there's this constant, like, you know, the refusal of the call, the coming to the call, the... um. I forget there's there's some other moment where like you end up going to hell like you end up being in the worst possible situation and the thing that will get you out of hell is to once again accept what your fate has been given to you totally and I really wish that the story here would have been before we get too much into it would have been that Mark is Mark and Stephen wake up they are keeping the secret from Layla that they know what happened to her father. Mm. So we are all invested in keeping the secret. We are feeling the tension of keeping the secret. Then, in Act 2, the secret is revealed by Arthur Harrow. Mm. Act 3, we have to come to terms with the secret. Mm. And once again, we have no like cohesive story. There's no main character. There's no arc. I didn't even bother to write Act 2 and 3 in here because it was a bunch of plots. I did have a very clear act three. Really? Okay, I, okay. Well, I yeah, thought that yeah, the yeah. beginning of the mental Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but
1: anyway. then what the hell was act two? Oh, I didn't have one.
0: Okay, yeah, so I put that as act two because I was like, the entire show was act one. <laughs> yeah, no, there was, it was just kind of scene
1: to scene to scene to scene without a real um, sense of, like, rising or falling action or tension. And I, I think I... I do love the hero's journey. I don't always think that every story needs to follow it. I think there's plenty yeah. of other plot arcs that um work perfectly well, but I do think that having at least some
0: sense of you know But these are such heroic characters. Like yeah, these that's three true. people to me are are heroes. Like, I don't know. I think like superhero genre should almost always be the hero's journey. Yes,
1: I agree. And I think that at least having a sense of, you know, conflict and tension and resolution as opposed to just kind of traveling literally from point A to point B to point C in a literal maze. I think that yeah. was just a, a very linear sense of plot. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of that little cold open? I was kind of intrigued by it.
0: Um. Yeah, I just wrote down upside down shot, bunch of stuck gods. Yeah. Um, so there's others. When I thought it was just the Ennead, like I thought it was the nine and then minus the two. Right. That... I think was just such an interesting world
1: building moment to me because we had made such a big deal out of you know oh there should be nine gods but there's only seven on the poster yeah but it's like oh were there actually far far more than these nine yeah this is why they're no longer considered as important as the Ennead. yeah what did they do to piss off the gods in charge and you know is this all just kind of this one group that has all the power yeah uh, and they're deciding who they don't like. Um, also, I was wondering, they had these little lamps behind every single statue. And I'm mm-hmm. like, are those magic lamps that are always burning? Mm-hmm. Or is there an attendant whose job it is to literally sit there for 2,000 years and yeah. keep the candles lit?
0: That's a else. really good question. <laughs> I don't
1: know if that was just, hey, this would look like a cool shot. Yeah.
0: But a lot of it seems like a cool shot. Yeah. Um, That seemed to be a big driving force here.
1: Yes. Um. I did have a moment of I wrote down at the beginning, is this our Layla episode? Ugh. I The answer was no. It was no, but she did get some good some good action in this one. Yeah. Um she is so resourceful. She I, I did think that this scene was set up well. We get like this quick shot of like the ammo in the bed of the truck. Um as she's, like, trying to protect Steven from these people who are shooting at them, she rolls him down a dune and mm-hmm. his arms are flopping all over the place.
0: Yes, but- I wrote clinical plat- prat flop. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was excellent
1: and well done. But um, we get a shot of the ammo and then she's in the back of the truck and she pulls out the flares and then she uses the flares To light the ammo and Mm -hmm. blow up the truck. And Mm -hmm. then, again, uses flares several more times in that episode. I was like, okay. Yeah. This was
0: a small little domino that they set up early. Yeah. But um, I also... So, at the end of that explosion, uh, Stephen gives Layla a what-did-you-just-do look because she's blown up these guys. Yeah. And um, my instinct on that was that that moment should have been funnier Mm -hmm. because I'm like, Stephen is the funny one and Mark is going to come and Mark is going to give us an extremely straight performance and so like we really have to do some of the comedic heavy lifting and there is some good comedy in it later but I was like why did they not take this shot again like why did they not get a more funny version because to me when you're doing like you know the Tomb Raider the mummy the Indiana Jones like um oh my god why can't I think of his name Han Solo Oh, Harrison Ford. Yes, he has, like, set the precedent that, yeah. like, the leading man is also very, very funny. Yes. And I think that it's weird when we sort of have leading men, um, and I want them to each do the proper half of Harrison Ford, which is be very, very funny mm-hmm. and also be very, very hot. cool. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, my, The classic <laughs> dichotomy of cool and hot.
1: Cool and hot. Um... Yeah, I I did have a thought in that moment when we saw Stephen get up from the sand. I, didn't, I wasn't sure if it was Stephen or Mark, and I think because he wasn't funny, and he was holding himself mm. like Stephen does, but mm-hmm. he didn't make any sort of, you know, comment or a face, and I wasn't positive until we got to the truck and they're driving, and, you know, Stephen's the one who's talking to Layla. Um, didn't realize it was him. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the most interesting kind of... I think the thing that really held this episode together for me was this love triangle between mm-hmm. Mark, Layla, and Stephen. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love this conversation that the three of them have in the truck. Um, Stephen is kind of, you know, we talked about last week. Well, Stephen and Mark made this deal that when. They were done working for Khonshu. Steven would never have to see Mark ever again. And I was like, well, now he's free. He is free of Khonshu. Yeah. And this kind of came a little bit to fruition, at least in this conversation, that, you know, Steven's like, well, we're done with Khonshu. So, Mark, bye-bye. Uh huh. Um, and Layla's like, wait a sec, that's my husband you're talking about. Like, you yeah. didn't want to consult with me first. Yeah. Um, and she has an absolutely hilarious line where, she says his suit was his best feature
0: <laughs> like that is patently false, yeah, and he still has that windbreaker, so that's good I mean, really does matters. a lot of heavy lifting, um yes, so um at some point, I think it's in the in the car mm-hmm. Mark says, Are you in love with my wife? It's in the tent when they get to
1: the the camp which i was like where is everybody they just I don't wander know. into this empty camp layla gets these lines of dialogue where she's like let's look for supplies i'm like oh thank you for this convenient excuse for you guys to just go poke around this set yeah and yeah have some
0: scenes here right? yes but, i love the idea that um mark's wife's boyfriend is his alter ego yes <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's something so funny about being like, oh, my wife's boyfriend and it's like, but it's also you. Um and yeah, and she makes some comment that you smell like him and then she's like, well, I guess like of course you would. Like, <laughs> yes.
1: Oh gosh, and there's a great conversation between Mark and Stephen. Um Stephen kind of confronts him again and says, you know, I thought you'd be gone. And Mark says he wish he could disappear. I mean, you said last week that he's yeah, very self He want to die. He want to die. He says, unfortunately, I'm still here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, brings it back to, you know, for Layla's sake, we got to be smart about this and... Yes, he says, I'm, you know, Mark's like, you're not alone. And Stephen's like, well, I know I'm not alone. I've got Layla. And that's Uh when he's like, you know, are you in love with my wife? And I'll throw us off a cliff as you so much as lay a finger on her, which I just, the the jealousy there is so funny, but so good.
0: Yes, I, um, I also have written down that, um, when Layla was helping him put on the climbing harness, which they never do the climbing. No, they don't. Um that was annoying to me. Um but I did laugh out loud because I think the director was really having a lot of fun um because harness go next to the pee <laughs> yeah. And so there was sort of a lot of fumbling around in the pants and then sort of like rapid like hand cam up to the faces and then you're like what's going on with the hands and then you go back down to the hands and you're like it's the harness and like I said, I mean you can't you can't escape that harness. Go next to Peebus, <laughs> but you know, they and and they clearly just did it because to me the directors did it because of the Peebus, because they never do the climbing. <laughs> they never do the climbing, and
1: yeah, that was funny to me for a number of reasons. But it it is a sweet moment between the two of them, and she tries to kiss him, and he just blurts out. You know, Mark's trying to protect you. That's why he's been pushing you away. Um, but then he kisses her, and it's... I was shocked, but
0: also I loved it. It also was weird. Like, in a way I really didn't expect. Somehow, Oscar Isaac was able to make Stephen kissing look... So awkward. Weird! Yes! I never thought he would be able to make... Ki- look kissing Oscar Isaac <laughs> unhot, hot And I was kind of like, okay, and he's, he's trying. trying! He succeeded. Um... Yes.
1: Oh, and then she couldn't tell if he was joking about not knowing what a belay was Uh or what belaying was. And she was like, ha ha, I can never tell when you're joking. And I'm like, this is bad climbing safety. Like, you He's also never
0: been joking. He doesn't know anything. No, he
1: doesn't. (laughs) And even if you think someone's not joking, you still... That's basic climbing safety. But... Yes. um, Yes. Oh, and then we get a great
0: uh, fight club moment where Mark punches Steven in the face. Yes. Oh, the acting is so good. Imagine you have to punch yourself and sell it that your arm is <laughs> mad and your face is scared. He is
1: so good. Um, yeah, so, okay, they go down into the tomb. He says, if the Sphinxes came to life and asked me a riddle, I'd shit myself, but I'd be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Steven so much. Um, but I do think it's interesting that, like, in the car, Layla's, like, you know we're gonna need mark Stephen refuses mm-hmm. um and now Stephen is the useful one because yeah. he figures out that they're in this you know tomb that's shaped like the eye of horus and that yeah. these six yeah. points represent the six senses and for some inexplicable reason the avatar is the tongue and so that's where they're gonna find the tomb and
0: yeah that was such i don't want to say it's a stretch but it's that like I don't know, kind of offhand justification where I'm like, either don't bother to explain it to me yeah, or make it mean something because I also forgot about the tongue hallway and yes. I forgot about the mouthpiece. And then I was like, why is Alexander the Great here even? Did he talk about Ahmed a lot? That was never set up. I think it was suggested that this was, we we suddenly have come to the
1: conclusion that this tomb where this... Amit's Ushabti is buried, is the tomb of her last avatar. Yeah. Assuming that Harrow... Because going back and re-watching the previous episodes, Harrow never actually says that he's an avatar. He doesn't use that word to describe himself. Um, And I went back and checked because I think we had been calling him the avatar. Yeah, yeah. But he only ever says that um, he was the former avatar of Khonshu. Mm-hmm. And then he says, "But you know, Ahmed is so much better." But he doesn't call. But himself then, why an does return. he
0: get invited to the Egyptian gods council? See, that is unclear to me.
1: I'm. I still feel like there's something more going on with the gods than I. I
0: agree, but I'm. I mean, set up some dominoes for me to be like, "Oh, I bet he's this." Like, I should have theories on what he his plot is, and yeah. instead, I'm like just waiting for it to be revealed to me in Mm -hmm. some sort of dialogue
1: yeah the other thing that was confusing about harrow to me in this scene was so in a bit you know layla will run into him and then eventually he'll come across mark in the tomb but when he finds Mark in the tube at the, the end of what we will consider the prelude to Act 3, because whether this is Act 1 or Act 2, we're not <laughs> sure, um, he has the little scarab compass in his hand, and mm-hmm. it has, looks like it was leading him into this tomb, but if he had the scarab and the compass was able to work, like, on this granular granular level, not yeah. just leading him to the tomb, but helping him navigate within it. Why do Layla and Mark get to the tomb so much before him? He's the one with the compass.
0: Yes, I completely agree. I did have one justification for that, which was that since Stephen figured out the eye map, Mm. that while Harrow was using the compass, he was getting taken down the wrong hallways. That is true. So he was ending up like going in a circle and then having to turn around and starting over And so potentially he went through every hallway first in the same amount of time that they were able to run to the tongue. That is
1: a really good point. Yeah, that makes sense. But they
0: don't show, they should have shown him in the hallway getting stuck, you know, using the scarab. It's a dead end. He has not figured out the eyeball map. He walks backwards and tries to figure it out again. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because a compass is not necessarily the most helpful navigational
1: tool in a maze. Yeah, you know where the center is, you just can't figure out how to get there. Um Okay, so they end up in a an embalming area is what I'll call it. Okay. Layla talks about the magic priests, the Heka, um, who are guarding the tomb. We will meet them in just a second. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Layla. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Fresh Blood and to quote Stephen, chunks of meaty bits. And I was not sure why Layla was not more freaked out or why both I mean he was a little freaked out but yeah why they both weren't like clearly someone is here in the modern day doing that like this yes. is not old blood there is someone here with them and maybe they just kind of assume it's Harrow but like they've seen Harrow kill people but never in a bloody way yeah so I was just like what do they think happened here
0: yeah I really don't have anything to say about that. Yeah. My other thought is that I didn't understand like in that moment, like when we talk about like bad pacing before the blue person comes in, Mm -hmm. there's gunshots. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I was like, to me, the gunshots are making me think about Harrow and they're distracting me from the blue person, Mm -hmm. which was building up so much tension that like there's blood here, there's meaty bits. And then it's like, Oh no, there's just guys with guns outside. And it's like, no, there still is someone, but, like, I don't know what they're doing outside. They never pay off the gun thing. Uh-huh. And so then I'm just, like, wishing we were in this, like, you know, really insular little moment of, like, okay, the monster is in the room. Yeah. To me, that is the horror. The horror this is really not, fun. like, a horror scene out of a horror movie. I, yeah. Yes, I wrote that Um, I Wanted a Bottle episode. And I think, um, you know, to take it back to community, like, there's, they have some really good Halloween episodes, Mm -hmm. um, and there's one where they get stuck in, like, Pierce's house. Yes. (laughs) And I think that this kind of would have been perfect, like, as soon as they walked in and he you know is talking about the um what do you call like the riddles or whatever Mm -hmm. I'm like bottle episode they're in the tomb the whole time they're stuck in the tomb they can't get out of the tomb the story is the tomb and the title is the tomb yeah and to me it, it didn't quite have that like great bottle episode like the the terror is that we're in the tomb and the the monsters are in the house
1: See, I interpreted the gunshots as there are many, many of these blue guys, and some of them are going after Harrow's people, and they're trying to shoot back in defense
0: against them. Because I, I guess I thought they were on the same team. Because I was like, the blue guys have guns too. Like they all they do melee, and they also (laughs) are like, but give me that. Like,
1: because the guy then that the blue guy drags onto the table and is embalming is this cop guy that we have seen be kind of one of Harrow's right-hand mm-hmm. men. So I assume that they were, they were, they are also invading this tomb and are being chased off by these, uh, guardians. And I, I see he, was I think I missed caught. Layla's
0: guardians comment. So mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, sometimes you just kill one of your own guys. You just need a guy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah that was yeah i think i think he was
1: being punished um yeah. but yeah there's a great scene where steven is up in the rafters and or up on like a little you know loft thing and the mummy zombie i mean he's not mummified he's more zombified yeah is you know crawling towards him under the thing and you see his fingers come around the like planks of wood and yeah that was such a you know we we talked a little bit at the beginning of uh, this series about how the director had said he wanted it really to feel like horror. And um, I think that for the most part we have gotten Marvel, but I do think that this scene stuck out to me as being like a, a nice
0: little horror scene. I agree. And I think, um, I don't know, this is, it, it did give me a bit of flashbacks of like WandaVision not sticking to their guns. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like the, characters and the beats and the tropes that were hit in episodes 1 and 2 were kind of fulfilled in the last 10 minutes so that was exciting but the first 25 minutes I was like that's a different show we've abandoned our show mm. and i think to me this is still marvel having the problem of not being brave enough to deviate from their own genre mm-hmm. whereas i think um i'm really into Sam Raimi right now sam raimi directed you know Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, you know, uh, whatever, a bunch of other stuff. And Spider-Man. Obviously, the first three Spider-Mans, Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, and now Multiverse of Madness. Mm -hmm. And he's a really well-known horror director. And I think, for example, like, Sam Raimi being able to do, like, Evil Dead, true horror, Mm -hmm. and then our theory, which is... Spider-Man 3 is, like, cringe social horror. Body horror. <laughs> that I wish this show had, like, had a take and said, like, episode one is memento. Like, mm. psychological horror. <sighs> love memento. Episode two is, like, teen horror. Like, you're being chased by something that you're afraid of, mm-hmm. you know? Like, the, like, Conshu, like, Mark, you know, kind of the classics uh you know the monsters in your television mm-hmm. then episode 3 i don't even rem- i literally forgot what happens in episode 3 they assemble the gods and all that yes they do um they do the gods and they do that other guys okay so that episode is like get out where you think <sighs> yes. you're in control you think you know what's happening super high level psychological thriller This one, it wanted to be the mummy sometimes, and it would occasionally give you those over the cliff shots, or the heavy breathing, or the hand cam. When uh, Layla gets grabbed and pulled back into the shadows. And you get sort of a one-two, and then I was kind of unfulfilled, because they don't give you a three yank, they give you a three push. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you have to yank before you push, you have to fulfill your one-two-three ramp before you can descend down that ramp of she has escaped and so i wish all six episodes were their own horror genre and all had a take and all had a point oh that would be amazing and i i think they're so close to it like you can see all the little bits and it just is like I don't know. It just is this fear to deviate from your Marvel show of like, but you have to revisit the villain. You have to, you know, understand what's going on in the world and around you. And it's like, no, no, no. The closer you get, the closer you get to your protagonist and the more scared you are when a hand comes out of a wall.
1: Yes. And I think that part of why they need to keep revisiting their antagonist and having him pop up in yeah. random places is because we don't actually know what he's trying to do like we know that mm-hmm. his goal is mm-hmm. to resurrect Amit but we don't know how that happens all we know is that he or why
0: really yeah
1: I mean, I mean he says than... this like great moral judgment but like right I don't know but like when we get to the point where you know Stephen gets the Ushabti and he's like I got it we won I'm like, what are you going to do with it now? Like, sleep with it under your pillow? Like, are you going to break it? Like, does Harrow need you to break it? Like, we don't actually know what the mechanism of yeah. is, this, is of this. And so I think that when we keep having to see Harrow pop up to remind us, oh, he's the bad guy. He's doing bad things. You know, if we just knew that, like, okay, he's going to get this statue and smash it. All we care about then is keeping it out of his face physical hands Mm -hmm. and then we'd need to see a lot less of him like we can just see him in physical proximity and we're like oh no as opposed to like okay he's here but what is he doing here what do we make need to make sure he's not doing here yeah and I think that that could give us a lot more like self-contained episodes
0: yeah yeah I think that's a really good point because like I don't know if you're like having anxiety about something if you're afraid of something happening You don't have to be reminded of it. Like it's in the back of your mind Mm -hmm. at all times. And so like if they could get it to be in the back of our mind, like you said, if it was breaking it, you could see it on the edge of a backpack and you're like, oh no, it's going to break on accident. Mm -hmm. Or like when they get attacked by the zombies, you're like, what if the zombies are going to release it now? Or like you start to pay attention to all these little things. And I am feeling like in this episode, as opposed to the first two episodes, there were not as many little things for me to pay attention to because they're handing it to me and they're handing it to me because it's not that deep. Yeah. I wrote, okay, jugs. Um, (laughs) Because right when um, Layla is trying to escape from the blue zombie, she's on this, like, climbing wall that has, like, you know, it's not a climbing wall. It's, like, it's a rock wall that would be excellent to climb on. (laughs) Yeah, just great hand and feed holds. And I actually wished I had seen her be a little more confident on that wall. The way she was putting on that harness, I'm like, girl knows how to climb. Yeah. And then
1: she's like clinging for dear life to this wall and like on this like very, I mean, not a wide ledge, but like there was, I mean, there. I'm not trying to say that like that I could have done better. I'm just saying that like she seems very capable and it seemed like she could have been okay on that wall without the ledge
0: i agree and i also assume that like we've seen her like really get into like hand-to-hand combat Mm -hmm. and be really confident and i'm like if this person has been like raiding tombs and escaping from bad people that she is also like indiana jones and Mm -hmm. like incredibly adept yes she's ready to climb walls yeah and i was disappointed that like she was competent, but not confident. Yes. Yeah. She
1: was gotten a great fight with that, that zombie, though, with the flare to the eye, and then they both fall
0: off the cliff, and then she drags herself back up. Yeah. Um, like... I mean, but once again, they didn't re- convey any of the rules of the zombies to yeah. us, and so when his hand was gone, I was like, okay, maybe that'll help, and it was like, nope, he's just ready to stab <laughs> with the bone. <laughs> And then when she was getting out the flare, I was like, well, he's fine without a bone. So why would he not be fine without an eye? Like, what does he have a brain? Does Does he have a heart? Like, does he need to be stabbed in the chest? Does he need to be exercised? Like, (laughs) get him on a little Peloton. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, there were no rules. And so I didn't even really understand if what she did was like actually impressive or if it was just like, well, you kind of distracted him because you stabbed him in the head.
1: Yeah, I, I took it more as a distraction because then she, you know, is able to kind of throw him off the cliff, but uh-huh. he's still holding on to her and she gets pulled off too, which I thought was great. I, I expected her to just kind of like throw him. Yeah. Um. So that was a nice little extra touch. Then she screams in a yeah. way that suggests like deep emotional pain. And I was like, I feel for you, but why? Like, uh-huh, what is this? Uh-huh. Is this just like a, holy shit, I never thought in my life that I'd be fighting a zombie this was like horrifying or is this I don't know I I couldn't tell she was clearly feeling something and I didn't know what it was in that moment
0: yeah I think what I interpreted there was the emotional release after defeating the zombie and like fearing Mm. for your life and death and then remembering that in some way your dad died in this exact format and that like because even though before this she doesn't know exactly how her dad died she does Say he like died for archaeology or yes, whatever, he was like an archaeologist he, with a mission. Yes, he died on a dig on a mission, and she now almost died on a sort of a dig in a mission. I guess. I yeah, know.
1: yeah, I, I can see that. Okay, then Harrow is in the doorway watching her, and we cut back to Stephen and Mark finding a tomb. And I, if I were to place a marker between act one and act two, I would say that this might be either the first scene of act two. Yeah,
0: I did write something here. Yeah,
1: just because it's a slight tonal shift, Mm -hmm. but it didn't really feel that conclusive. Um, Steven is really excited. He's totally nerding out, um, which we've seen him do before and is always delightful. And he's obsessed with figuring out whose tomb this is. And Mark is very fixated on you kissed my wife. Um, And Steven's just like, what are you going to do? Drown us? And Mark, again, being the self-destructive guy that he is, is like, I should. But then he's like somehow surprisingly touched by the fact that Steven told her the truth about why he was pushing her away and seemed very affected by that. And I Mm -hmm. kind of was like, why are we getting this conversation right now? Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of nice because it did well, it has to happen before he dies. So. Yes. And it <laughs> reconciles Mark and Stephen so yeah. that the next time they encounter one another, they're very grateful for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is this moment of, like, taking that jealousy and that tension and, and turning it into, like, oh, maybe we're on the same side here. Like, mm-hmm. maybe we both genuinely care. Mm-hmm. But then Stephen finds some Macedonian on a pillar and I wrote, oh, fuck, is it Alexander the Great? The long lost tomb? Yes. And then I wrote, okay, but why?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was very
1: nerdily excited alongside Stephen purely because when he said Macedonian, I was like, who, where is the the intersection of the Venn diagram between Macedonia and Greece? It's got to be Alexander the Great. And then I was very excited when it was, but also did not think that that was something that had been long lost mm-hmm. would have been nice if that had like I don't know popped up in Steven's little research that he was doing when he I know sleep I'm like we spent so episode. much time in the
0: museum mm-hmm. tell me Alexander the Great buried a tomb hidden for no reason oh I wonder if there's a reason
1: mm-hmm.
0: I also I still don't really get why this how the statue got in the throat so I'm trying to think about it mm-hmm. so Amit ...is punished by the gods thousands of years ago and turned to stone. Yeah. But she's not put in that little area. Right. She's not put with the rest of the statues where Khonshu is. She's for some reason buried elsewhere. Yes. With Alexander the Great. So when he dies, they embalm him and they put it in the throat and then wrap him up like a mummy. Yeah. Why? I'm not sure... (laughs) The only
1: thing that I'm thinking about is that when Harrow is talking to Mark or I guess he's talking to Steven, I think in episode two, he says that Amit was betrayed by her own avatar. Hmm. So it does feel like there's a backstory there of some sort that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we could have learned from Harrow that, you know, her, I don't know, avatar was a man of great influence or something, but (laughs) that, you know, somehow... Alexander the Great realized that Amit was bad news and he, you know, turned her in to the other god. I mean, I don't know how that functions. Like, how you... I know, but
0: then I'm like, he turned her in, but then he took the statue back? Or they gave him the statue to hide it away, but then he was like, nice, even though I turned her in and hate her, get her in my throat. Because I'm her final mouthpiece. I
1: assumed that the other avatars
0: did that. That the other... So did he know it was going to happen? I mean, we're speculating about something we have no information about, right. but I'm like, why is this so hard to understand? Like, if they all can figure out, like, the statue's going to be in the tongue, and it's going to be for this guy, and when we find the tomb, it's going to be obvious, and I'm like, why is this not obvious to me? I'm also trying to think if at any point they said that this was, the,
1: the tomb was going to be the tomb of Amit's avatar, and I don't, I think they only ever call it the tomb
0: of Amit. I know!
1: I completely so, agree,
0: because I was like, nice, we're going to open a sarcophagus with a crocodile head. Yeah. And then it was just a different guy, and I was like, I think I'm dumb, but I literally don't get what we're doing here.
1: That Yeah, that did feel a little inconsistent, because, just in the sense that...
0: Because Khonshu and all the other gods have, like, avatars, but if you have an avatar, that kind of means that you have your separate body. And so I figured that they all had like an OG body elsewhere and Mm. that we were going to see the OG the actual crocodile body I don't know and I do you think Jesus is God's avatar? (laughs) (laughs) I mean you don't I guess I don't (laughs) but is that like I know so little about Christianity that I'm like is that even like the premise like I'm not familiar oh I feel like I shouldn't be speculating on this (laughs) Um.
1: No comment.
0: Okay. <laughs> if you're a Christian, feel free to ring in with a. If you think Jesus is God's avatar, because what else are those three guys doing? To me, that's Oscar Isaac Conchu in the suit, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's Jewish. Don't make him. Don't make him be Jesus. Oh God. <laughs> okay. So then. Oh wait. What was say? He... So the dad died before they met. That had never occurred to me. <laughs> yes. Okay, wait, wait. I feel like we skipped some stuff. Okay. Um, so Layla
1: is talking to Arthur Harrow. She finds him condescending. He basically implies that Mark killed her dad. Um, and she's... She, he doesn't actually say it. He gets her to say it. And then he's like, well, you said it. <laughs> it's like, all right. And then Stephen and Mark open the tomb... He unwraps Alexander the Great's face and keeps saying, sorry, Mr. Great, as he <laughs> shoves his arm down his throat. And Mark's like, oh, yeah, get in there. Reach <laughs> in there, buddy. <laughs> and yes, then Layla finds Stephen and can only focus on what happened to her father. And she says, I'm talking to you, Mark. And we get another on-screen transition from mm-hmm, Stephen to Mark. Mm-hmm. And then he's immediately like, Layla, we have to go right now. And she's like, what happened to my father? And yes, we learn that this was how they met, that he killed her dad first and then met her maybe at the funeral maybe afterwards yeah but also he says that he was supposed to die that night because his partner also shot him Mm -hmm. and he should have died but he didn't Mm -hmm. and so my first thought was oh is this how he became Moon Knight yeah is this the moment when Khonshu resurrected him yeah but that means that he has been the avatar of Khonshu the entire time he's known
0: Layla yes I actually think I knew that I mean I think she kind of talks she talks about like no having no un being familiar with the suit and like Mm. understanding and i think she always thought mark's secrets were related to being a superhero and that's why she's so surprised that mark's secrets are that he's mentally ill and party to someone's murder interesting i had assumed that this happened much
1: more recently and that layla was like with him in egypt when he had like Because I think we speculated in the first episode that, you know, maybe they were trying to, you know, either rob a tomb or Uh Robin Hood something, Uh and that he had gotten killed and then resurrected, and that she'd been present for that, and that's how she knew about the suit. I didn't realize that this had been, like, their entire relationship and entire marriage.
0: I also thought, I guess the the other reason that I think that that seems fine is because I'm like, to me, they've only been married, like, two years. Mm. Like... I mean, they both seem young. They both are all over the place. They both... He's been a mercenary before he met her. Yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so I have the next part, which is... Yeah. Um, we, we cut to a TV show with a different aspect ratio. You have something before... Oh, I forgot. Oh, just that he gets shot. He gets shot. Yes. I can't believe I didn't write that
1: down. Um, yeah, he calls Mark a free man from Khonshu. He no longer has his voice in his head. Um... And yes, then we also get to see Layla look horrified when Mark is shot because she's pissed at him, but she doesn't want him dying,
0: which yes,
1: is of course, very touching.
0: Yes. I also was curious to see because he shot him twice.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I was wondering if he was going to shoot Mark, shoot, shoot Stephen. And Jake was going to, like, rip these bullets <laughs> out and swim to the top and be like, I'm not dead
1: yet. Oh, my God. We got so many little Jake teasers and I can't believe they didn't pay it off. I can't believe. I'm almost wondering, they're either saving it for the very end yeah. or they're saving it for whatever movie yep. Moon Knight is going to be in. Yep.
0: Because they got to have more things up their sleeve or something. Yep. But. Okay, so now we cut to a TV show with a different aspect ratio. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you sort of can't figure out why you're here, and it's kind of fun. You know, it's like WandaVision. You're like, where am I? And the TV show character mentions to the other character something, something. That's why you're the greatest Stephen Grant. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, Stephen Grant is the alter ego. Mark Spector is the real guy. He has gotten this identity from a from TV a show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then they pull... One of my least favorite tropes of all time, but they pull it off in a way that I actually really liked, which is, it was all just a dream. Mm. Um, and so then you step into all these Easter eggs of the cupcakes, so the shoes, you know, the woman who works at the gift shop holding the little scarab. Yes, the guy doing a Rubik's Cube. Um, yeah.
1: All of these visuals that we've seen in, in previous episodes from Steven's life.
0: Yes, and uh, what I really liked about it is because to me it was the second beat to the original It Was All Just a Dream, so episode mm-hmm. one, yes. Stephen wakes up and thinks that when he goes to Scandinavia or whatever and that whole thing with the truck, he thinks that was a dream. Mm -hmm. They pull the rug out from under you again, you know, no, it wasn't. It was real. You have an alternate identity. And so I was really looking forward to, because I'm like, I don't want to say I know it's real, but you're like, we understand that these characters exist in some form of reality in Marvel. And so they're like reverse engineering that it was only just a dream. Yes. Um, and it's a lot like, there are two episodes of TV that this reminds me of, which um, I think would be a really excellent watch, is one, there's a community episode, and it's amazing. They pretty much claim that every single character is in a mental asylum, and yes. every single thing that happens to them is fake and justified in the asylum, and that's not true. This person is trying to trick them and like recalling all these moments in a way that's different. And so then they start to see it that way. And it kind of shows like, Oh, it's all based on your perspective because Mm -hmm. once Jeff starts to believe that he's been institutionalized, he sees everything differently. Yes. And yeah, then you find out they complete, they escaped this fake hospital and they were never in there. And there's an episode of Lost that is almost the same thing. Um, Hugo ends up in the mental hospital and he actually was in a mental hospital. And then Lost kind of loses their thread. I don't know if they ever fulfill on it, whether it was real or it was fake. But two great episodes that I am curious if these writers referenced. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I did write down was this, was everything before this a hallucination or are we just meant to suspect that? And I think obviously in my head I was thinking, well, it's probably all real given yeah. what we know about yeah. the MCU and the fact that this is not an independent TV show making a commentary on like mental illness and delusions of grandeur yeah um but it was they did an excellent job of just like seeding in all of the. we get to see the goldfish um Uh there's a woman who's drawn this like skull-headed bird Mm -hmm. um the cop guy oh so the cop guy is an orderly or a nurse Mm -hmm. in this institution but we just saw him got get embalmed yes so i was like either he's not dead yes and this is what's real, or he is dead, and this is a hallucination. Yes. But both things can't be true.
0: Oh, I haven't. I have a third theory. What's your third theory? I believe we are in purgatory. That yeah. since this has like, there's so many like ideas that the living are one thing, the dead are another thing, you have to get through this field of reeds. Mm-hmm. This. Is the in-between place. And that somehow Arthur Harrow has, like, the ability to access purgatory. And especially since he kills all these people, I don't know that the people that he's killed with the scales necessarily go to hell. He might send them to this asylum verse. Mm. Um, And so it is my idea that these are not people. These are souls. And that he is able to, like, puppeteer them. And so he's doing this, like, acting as a doctor thing. And then he's just shoved everyone else into this verse, and so... But does that mean everyone's dead? I... Hmm, because yeah, you're saying the gift shop lady was in there? Yeah, and Layla was there. Huh. Yeah, I really, I thought, I don't know, I had this, like, mix of, like, it's a projection and it's purgatory, but I'm like... Okay, so it's doing two things. It's the in between place, and he's projecting people into the in between place. Because I was trying to justify why Mark and Stephen get to have two bodies, and right. so I was like, they have two souls, mm-hmm. and so in Purgatory they might get separated. Right.
1: And I was thinking this was maybe some sort of like limbo yeah. between life and death, but I, I wasn't sure if it was a limbo that was controlled by Arthur Grant or by Arthur Harrow. Yep. Or if it was a or if we were like deep inside Mark slash Stephen's psyche, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. that this is him like, because he so he is basically he's trying to access Stephen. Um, he's strapped by the ankle to his wheelchair. He's got a Moon Knight action figure, um, and then he's being held. You know, he's forced to talk to Arthur, who says, you know. I know you're having a great deal of difficulty being able to differentiate what's real and what's in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get all a ton more little Easter eggs. We get a poster of the Alps town where Stephen wakes up in episode one. Mm -hmm. We get what looks like canopic jars in the background. The brick arches of this uh, office building are very similar to what's in Arthur Harrow's compound in London, um, except that they're white. His harrow's shoes glass-filled shoes are the exact same as they always are Uh he's got some sort of walking stick uh there's a goat-headed egyptian statue there's a glass pyramid thing um and he basically there's all of these different like little triggers and memories and eventually these all bring mark back to a place of like remembering what happened he's like you shot me like you shot like he remembers that event yeah and he runs away breaks free and then he finds a sarcophagus in a room that is there's someone banging on the lid saying let me out let me out and he helps move the lid and steven crawls out and then the two of them are running down a hallway together and they see a third sarcophagus or i guess a second sarcophagus with a third voice shouting let me Or you know banging mm-hmm. and which is presumably jake and uh jake lockley the third kind of identity from the comics and this kind of to me suggested this might be mark accessing his multiple selves in Mm -hmm. a way that like is kind of unlocking this barrier between the two personalities that like they have this big hug they that like somehow he's going through this process of once he goes through this and either comes back to life presumably or is brought back to life mm-hmm. that he will be able to much more easily like access his pers- multiple personalities instead yeah. of fighting yeah one another
0: yeah yeah i'm i'm curious to see like because okay so the gods definitely do have some agency and power over life and death because when he says like i was supposed to die too mm-hmm. he was shot Presumably Konshu saved him mm-hmm. to be an avatar. For some reason, he departed Arthur Harrow or Arthur Harrow knocked him out or whatever. So Kanshu has the ability to literally bring people back to life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Arthur Harrow has the ability, like, to kill people with a tattoo, Um, I'm trying to figure out what that means for Arthur Harrow's ability to control purgatory. Because now you've really got me thinking that I'm like, yeah, these are in-betweeners and he just like projects and it's like, well, but yeah, did he project Layla in there? Right. The
1: other thing that caught my attention was at one point when Mark's running down the hallway, everything seems to tilt. Yes. And then the light fixtures are kind of swinging back and forth in this very like large way, which... Put me in the mind of Inception Uh um, when they're, you know, in a dream sequence and the van that they're on is falling off a bridge and then everything in the dream is kind of tilting and twisting in that same way. And I was like, is Mark's body on a boat? Like, is he, where is his body right now? And is that why, is something happening to his body that's making what's
0: happening in his mind shift in this
1: way i couldn't think of another explanation
0: i think that's a really good one i think my thought was that since i convinced myself that this was arthur harrow's projection Mm. i was under the belief that perhaps arthur harrow is losing control of the projection so Mm. he's like trying to maintain his artificial gravity and spaces and that he has somehow been physically affected and is like losing the grasp of interesting the in-betweener plane hmm i'll i'll
1: be excited to see what we learn about this because we we have heard a couple times now about this the field of reeds and this uh-huh. idea of like you know where souls go to be judged and you know what arthur harrow says to him in this place is exactly what he said to him before which is i can't help people who don't want to help themselves and To me, I'm like, is he wanting to weigh Mark's soul Mm -hmm. again and determine whether or not he Mm -hmm. goes to the good place or the bad place? Yeah.
0: I mean, do you think, outside of, like, the scales, like, do you think, because you said Amit eats the souls Mm -hmm. that don't pass through the field of reeds, do you know if she has any ability to help the good souls through the field of reeds? I... I think my
1: understanding of it was that the Field of Reeds was the good place. hmm And that you go there if you pass the... Mm-hmm. The little But scale is it, like,
0: automated? Us. Like, does Amit do anything good with her scales? Or I, does she only punish? I think that she just lets
1: you go. If okay. You... Okay. But I don't know. I would yeah. have to look into that more. Because, yeah, it is it is interesting and i think it's so interesting too that the arthur harrow in this mental asylum or wherever this place is is a very is much more like he's very calm and very gentle and like Mm -hmm. very you know when the the cop the two cops who we saw in the first episode are here again as nurses and they're trying to restrain mark he says like oh don't hurt him like and i don't know because I could see this as, like, Arthur Harrow's mental projection of himself mm-hmm. being like, oh, but I'm this, like, very good, you know, protagonistic character, mm-hmm. as opposed to the way that Mark might see him, unless Mark was really in such a dire place that he is kind of half convinced that mm-hmm. Arthur Harrow is, is actually trying to help him. Mm-hmm. But I, that does make me inclined to think that Arthur Harrow is controlling this, this place because of how he projects himself
0: yeah because i was also using that to justify why he didn't care that much that the people went to go get mark and Mm -hmm. steven because it kind of ultimately doesn't matter that like when you are in control of the whole hospital that like you'll find them in a minute yeah
1: and i guess in thinking about it that way that okay if he controls this in between space i didn't necessarily see like layla's presence there as being indicative of layla being dead but that like this is a this is part of the architecture that arthur harrow has built into this place to convince mark that this has always been real like oh remember that woman who you think about all the time like that's because she's your friend here Mm -hmm. you know donna your boss like she's also a patient here like and there's nothing i mean there's people there that we don't recognize but all the people that we focus on are people that we have met In the span of time that Arthur Harrow has been present in Mark's life. But we didn't see the gold man anywhere, right? No, we didn't. But Arthur Harrow never met the gold man.
0: Mm. He met Donna because he Uh was at the
1: museum. Uh And he's met Layla and those two cop people. Um, And I don't know if there's anyone else we really focused on. Mm -hmm. Was one of them the girl from the
0: goldfish store? Maybe. I don't remember her. I don't know
1: um but regardless i think that this was one of the most interesting things we've seen so far in this show this total break in setting in genre in tone in everything just like it was all a dream this is actually a show that takes place in a psychiatric ward mm-hmm. i thought it was a really bold choice and i loved it i it made I agree. me so excited for the next two episodes. Of...
0: Yes, I also wrote down what's the difference between a twist and a late reveal.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: because that's been something that I've been thinking about a lot where I'm like, okay, even if this hospital thing isn't like a twist or a reveal, it's like something in between, I thought it was really well done. And like we said, the Alexander the Great thing really didn't play very well for me like I was like to me this was it's not a twist that it's Alexander the Great's tomb it's a poorly done reveal yeah and I kind of am I'm still trying to figure out like why they bothered with some of these things because I think so much of this Episode could have been shoved into the last one. You know what I mean? Like, if I wish we had gotten to spend more time in the hospital realm. Yeah. Because that was by far the most interesting part. And I'm sure we're going to be there next time. Mm -hmm. But with like the pacing, I'm like, okay, if we had gotten to our everyday, and then the inciting event is the tomb, and then the follow up to the tomb is like. You know, we're in, we're trying to figure out our mental health issues because, once again, like, you're trying to figure out is the call coming from inside the house or mm-hmm. is another guy inside my house calling me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I wish that they had been able to do more of like the Indiana Jones stuff last time. Yeah. I'm really sorry. I think I could have cut so much of like, the random guy's house and that mm-hmm. stuff, and maybe if you're gonna pay it off later, bring it up later.
1: Yeah, um, we did realize uh, in rewatching it that we had been saying that Anton was killed, but we never see the body. Uh-huh. And according to Marvel rules, if you don't see the body, they're probably not actually dead. So I think you did say this last
0: episode. Did I? Not, did I? Uh huh. A okay. hundred percent. Well, but I thought still, I just said it to you today. <laughs> still <laughs> pertains. Yes. Yeah, so I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they could have done that differently because, yeah, to me, the hospital brings us back to the really good parts of the first and second episode, yes. which were like confusion and Easter eggs. And... and I think that to me, that is what makes a good twist is that or I mean, not
1: even a twist, but I think that if we're going to call it that a good twist is both unexpected and... And inevitable. Yes. And I think that the feeling of, oh, my God, I didn't see this coming, but I should have. Yes. And like, I had no idea that we were going to have a scene set in a psychiatric ward. And yet looking back on it, I'm like, oh, my God, of course we were because this whole thing has been about, you know, we we literally had him getting fired from his job in episode 2 and being yes. told that he needed to go to a hospital. Yes, like, a bit of Chekhov's HR sends you to the hospital yes. sort of. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so believable that like you Mark could be convinced that he is in such a place like that he knows he needs help. He's told Arthur Harrow he needs help and that he's unwell. Yes, he told the gods he needed help. Like he has said this multiple times and so the the foreshadowing of it has worked so well to get us to a point where like we didn't expect to be here but now that we are it feels like this is the direction it was always meant to go whereas alexander the great's tomb we've never heard the word macedonia uttered before in this show no we've barely even heard the word pharaoh uttered in this show yeah and i think that that to me is why that fell so flat is like as a nerd, I'm like, whoa, Alexander the Great. I'm glad I recognized that before he said it. But in terms <laughs> of, like, you know, making sense in the continuity of the show and even the bit about, like, oh, here's the Eye of Horus and it's the, you know, these six points and mm-hmm. the uh, six senses and the tongue. And I was just like, where is this coming from? Like, this doesn't feel like part of the rules we've established for this world. And to me, even though that was, again, interesting on a world building level i'm like i just wanted to learn about that sooner to have some sort of suggestion of like you know even to see a picture of the eye of horus in one of stephen's books that he's looking through yeah like to to have some indication that when this shows up again it's something that we recognize
0: yeah and i think That is really confusing to me why they don't do a better job of that because we've seen so many other through lines that show such attention to detail Mm -hmm. and, you know, interest in strong continuity. And it just makes me wonder, like, when they're writing these stories, you know, who are the storyboarding people? What are the producers telling them? And, like, You know, we talked a little bit off-mic about um, breaking stories Mm -hmm. and how sometimes people, sometimes writers' rooms break stories more frequently. Um, Oh, breaking a story is, like, when you actually, like, write it. Um, So when you go from taking, like, an idea or a premise and making it into an episode. And so usually it's, like, the producer that will be breaking that um, if it's going to be for something that's really short like this. Or they'll assign each writer an episode to break and to me, it feels like people are given sort of like, a, oh, you should show this thing because we're going to bring back the shoes later. We're going to mm-hmm. bring back the cupcakes later. Um, but then they're forgetting that these really big plots in the Egyptian part, which I already think are so, I don't know, ham fisted and hard to buy into and uninteresting that I'm like, you're not even bothering to set them up. And so, like, why do you have such attention to character detail mm-hmm. and so little attention to, like, what seems like the literal fucking story?
1: <laughs> this is getting harsh. <laughs> we love the show. Yeah, this is this brings me to kind of the last thing that we see in this episode, which is there's a giant shadow in the doorway that Mark and Stephen are running towards. And then the big reveal is that it is a hippo goddess um, who is presumably Tawaret, who is the goddess of fertility, childbirth, and rebirth after death, which potentially... I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, the goddess Tawaret is the goddess of fertility, childbirth, and rebirth after death. Cool. Which feels potentially very symbolic in this moment. He is presumably about to be reborn after he has died. And yet... This was another thing where it was like, okay, I'm assuming she's part of the Ennead. And I know that when we were in the throne room and they were calling attendance, one of them was Tawarit, but we didn't, I I don't remember who was her avatar. And I don't remember anything about her other than her name being mentioned. And this was again, one of those things where like the way they were building up to this shot of like, who's going to be on the other side of the door? It's... Someone we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. It, to me, felt so, yeah, unearned. I was like, I want, I wanted this to be a thing where, you know, even if it was Tawara's avatar who told him where to find Senfu's tomb rather than
0: Hathor's avatar. Yeah, even if it, because we have seen, you know, the English guy, the Irish guy, the Colombian woman, mm-hmm. Um, there's a black woman, you know, there, I would have conceivably recognized one of those people. hmm and yes, I had no idea that there was a hippo god. And so if you're not going to show me Kanchu or who we are expecting to be inevitable, Amit, then don't show me a random hippopotamus. I mean, she was great and she was really cute. And I didn't remember her name. And so I was like, I guess I know that's a god because she's a big animal wearing ancient regalia. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the closest we're going to get. Because I'm like, I guess I think that's how Kanshu dresses but also he's not part of any ad so maybe he doesn't get really nice gold things yeah. he has just his little robes <laughs> just a little little ragamuffin Conchu. yeah yeah I don't know I I really wanted more for him and I I even saw some spoilers for that hippopotamus mm-hmm. and I was like okay where's the hippo and then even expecting it I couldn't expect it yeah that was Yeah, because I think that must have been when I wrote down my note of what's the difference between a a twist and a reveal, because I was like, to me, that was a nothing. That was a, like, oh, I guess I'll find out next week.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of predictable and unpredictable, do you have any predictions for next week?
0: Yes, okay, so my predictions are... We have to get Jake Lockley. I hope so. I mean, I'm worried we're not going to get him till episode six, and we're just going to be like, huh? The very last shot of the episode. Yes, so I, I'm i going to predict that we are going to be in the hospital, um, and it's going to be, hopefully, this is my bottle episode. This mm. episode's going to be Escape from Hoppin'. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking... <laughs> I'm doing two things. I'm thinking Escape from L.A., directed by John Carpenter. And I'm also trying to say Escape from Hospital, and I'm not focused enough on either. Yes, we're going to get a bit of of an Escape from Hospital episode, Um, and I hope that it's constant, like, closed doors and tombs and running around in circles and confusing, Um, because I think we're in for a bit more uh, psychological thriller. And then... Yeah, what could episode six be? I guess I think next episode... I, I don't know if we're gonna get the bottle because they have to release Amit soon. Yeah, I have the same thought. I think
1: last week we spent a long time ranting about the six-episode structure and how that is just such a difficult number of episodes to work with because of the way that the kind of plot arc needs to be carved up to to fit in six episodes. And I I do think that we're not going to have time to be a whole, to have a whole bottle episode. I think that we're on episode five of six. This next week will be episode five of six. And I think that based on the pace at which they've been running through the plot, like we will start in the hospital and I think they will escape fairly quickly Mm -hmm. and be back in Egypt. And I think my biggest question is has this all been happening in the split second that Mark has fallen into the water Mm -hmm. or is this happening over a length of time? His body has been moved maybe
0: by Layla, maybe by
1: Arthur's Harris' people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see how they, how they get us back on track and then what the point of it all was like, what is the resolution? Because I think there's a lot to resolve in terms of like, what I think should be or is the main plot, mm. which is Mark has multiple personalities mm-hmm. and only one body. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to have to get out of the hospital, release Amit from the tomb, get Amit back into the tomb. <laughs> <laughs> defeat Arthur Harrow and then reconcile with the fact that um, we're two guys instead of just one. And then we know we're actually going to be three guys instead of just one. Yeah. So two guys are going to be mad about one guy and then and uh, they got to get rid of both of them to get back to just the original the
1: one guy i think that the tough thing for me I, i'm coming back to this that we don't know the mechanism of what arthur harrow is trying to do and i think that makes it hard to predict but not in a like not necessarily in a good way i think that it's no it's because if it was if we understood the mechanism it would we would be able to think about like You know what needs to happen in order to prevent that, but it's like, well, I don't know what he's trying to do, so I don't know what Mark and Stephen are trying to do because Mm -hmm. there's it's just this okay this vague notion of they have to stop Arthur Harrow, but from what? And I I wish we had a better sense of that at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree, and it's disappointing that we're in episode four and we're struggling to identify what we're afraid of. Yeah. Right, that, like, we know who the villain is, but we don't know what the problem with the villain is. And I
1: think that kills some of the tension because it's, like, I want to be afraid right now. Like, I want to be afraid of Arthur Harrow and I want to, again, with the, you know, oh, if the statue was going to break and we're on edge every time we see it teeter, you know, I want to have that sense of, like, the the if you say the statue can't break, inevitably it's going to break and you're just mm-hmm. waiting for that to happen. But to say, you know... Arthur Harrow is going to release Amit, that's not comparable because that's just the thing that is obviously going to be prevented. Because once again, presumably, Amit is not fighting the rest of the Avengers in Multiverse of Madness. So we know that that is going to be stopped. We just don't know the little things that we need to be watching out for.
0: Yeah, yeah. I will be interested to see what they do in the next two episodes. Yes. I'm
1: also still very intrigued by the theory that we shared last week that uh, Mark and Steven and Jake are all variants. Oh, this is what I was going to say before, that when Layla says to him that, like, you know, we met because, you you know, you were there when my father died, that, like, presumably she has been part of his life ever since he has been hosting Khonshu, and yet in all that time that she's known him, she's never encountered Steven. And so we were wondering, okay, when Mark and Steven are talking the first time and they Mark says, you know, I had it under control until very recently. Like, you weren't aware of me. We had a wall between us. And recently something changed. And my first thought was, oh, was it he and Steven have been together since childhood and him becoming the avatar of Khonshu is what changed it? But no, he was the avatar of Khonshu already before Steven started breaking through again. And so this idea that maybe it was this like multiversal
0: rift that happened in No Way Home. I hope I hope it's true. Yes, because I assumed Mark had been conchu for a while and that the death that they have been talking about was recent. And so I assumed he as Moon Knight was not able to save Layla's dad. And so that Mm. was the trauma that brought forth Steven but it seems like that is also not the Mm-mm. same because we have one inciting event that is like this huge event that has multiple things. Yes. And then there's a secondary event, which is Steven.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I'm I'm excited and I hope it didn't sound like we didn't love this episode because I enjoyed it so much. I wanted to watch it twice in one day. It was immensely entertaining. Oscar Isaac's acting is always impe- impeccable. Yeah. Um... And I think that, you know, we just, as always, are trying to learn from this
0: stuff. And yeah. Um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, though, for a Raimi cut. <laughs> I'm hoping that, um, you know, in 10 years we'll get a box set of all the TV shows because I actually think WandaVision, Loki, they would all be better for it if mm-hmm. it was a Raimi cut. All right. Well, before we go, do you have anything to plug? um just the usual follow me on uh twitter and instagram at Rachel Baldwin 56 and follow the podcast at uh it's all genre to me at gmail.com um write into us also don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, we also need some reviews on Apple Podcasts. Um, and so if you write something really funny, maybe we'll um, read it next week.
1: We would love to read your, uh, your reviews on the pod. Um, I have nothing really to plug um, on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at Glazer Donut. And that's about it.
0: Great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Good night. Bye. It's all genre to me. We're going to need a bigger podcast. We could have been killed or worse, podcasted. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. I am Groot. Why is all the podcast gone? This episode was edited by Rachel Baldwin, mixed and mastered by Brockman Day, Theme song written and performed by Rachel Baldwin. Music created and mastered by Brockman Day. Artwork by Rebecca Glazer.